between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Let's see Romans chapter 8. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your holy name. Glory to God. Amen. Romans chapter 8. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Let us say amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Verse 9, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. <clears throat> Hallelujah. It says, but you are not in the flesh, right? You are not in the flesh. You are not in the flesh. Amen. But in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. It should be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his, right? And if Christ be in you, the, the body is dead because of sin, right? And the spirit is life because of righteousness. Thank you, Father. Praise God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the what? In the spirit. And if so be that the spirit of God so you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in, in you. Praise God. Um, so this here, Shabarado, Sata, Tariano, Fredaste, Opalanoi, Elto, Matomiketola, Tario Sato, Tofaramoste, Priscos, so spread, Prestios. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. Praise the Lord. 
praise God, praise God. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. So the spirit of God here um, is specific. It's not just speaking about the, just the Holy Spirit. You know, we've spoken about the Holy Spirit as uh, just the person of God. Um, now, this is speaking particularly concerning his, his divine ministry or the a sort of indwelling of the Spirit that includes him dealing with the soul concerning the properties of God within the soul. Praise God. Uh, I think we've seen a lot about the, the attitude and ministry and the way of dwelling of the Spirit of God within us at different levels. Uh, we've seen it by God's grace through the scriptures. And so, but this particular <coughs> thought here in Romans chapter 8 is speaking precisely concerning uh, what he calls the, the spirit of God. And Paul uses these terms very clearly. He, will, he can separate in his language between the spirit of Christ and the spirit of God. Praise the Lord. And we need to make also that separation. Um, otherwise, we won't understand the full import of this conversation. I, um, the, the conversation of Romans chapter 8 is just talking, it's actually a, Romans 8 is almost like a, an x-ray of the Holy Ghost in his different dimensions of ministry and the operation of the Spirit to, to complete liberty in the soul, to keep, to make the soul come fully into season of complete freedom. And we know that what binds, what binds man um, is, praise God, is his, his union with fallen things, right? Union with fallen things, union with flesh. Flesh is a major thing. That's, that's dealt with in this chapter. Praise God. So, you know, he, he started from speaking about no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but who walk after the, the spirit. Amen. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. That's verse 1. Praise God. So, the law of the spirit of life in Christ, you know, that is a particular law that, part, that the Holy Spirit... Um, begins to deal with a soul in things that pertain to that law when it's time to bring about the first, the first freedom that the soul should experience. Praise God. And now the first freedom that the soul should experience is the freedom from sin and death. That's the first freedom. And the first freedom that the soul will experience is the freedom which the, the person and the nature, actually, the nature of Christ should bring to the soul. That's the first freedom that, that the person should have. And what he's saying is that in verse 2 is that what will bring about that freedom is a portion of the ministry of the Holy Spirit when he will begin to minister a particular thing which he called the life in Christ. Praise God. 
So it's saying here that the law of the spirit, that, that is the law which the spirit of life in Christ will begin to minister. That that spirit of life in Christ is the, actually the minister of the law of the life in Christ. Remember what he called the law of Christ. The carnal mind cannot be subject right to, there's the law of God, praise the Lord, but there's also what he called the law of Christ. Amen. So those are two main portions of the law. When you hear law, law is talking about, has two sides to it, two sides to every law, amen, that God has given. We saw the, the, um, the tablets of stone had two sides of it too, two sides of it, first side and the second side. It's talking about the, the offering of God to man, two lives, two lives, two laws for two, two kinds of lives, the first life and then the second life. So one side of the law represents the life of Christ. The other side represents the life of God. Praise God. The first side is talking about the life of a kind of a man. The second one is the life of God. Two lives. Praise the Lord. So these laws, um, those, these are the two laws in the New Testament. It's a, it's a package of two major kinds of agreements that the soul needs to make. That's what is contained in the in the Testament, right? Praise God. Now, so, but each, those law have their own spirit. When I say their own spirit, not, not that the Holy Spirit, they are two different Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit, but the same spirit moving into different ministries. When he's ministering this one side of the covenant, he ministers in a certain way, in a certain kind of office. When he's ministering the other side of the covenant, he has to minister another way. Praise God. So there's a time when the Holy Ghost will, be, will become the minister of the law of the spirit of life in Christ. There's also the law of the spirit of life in God. Praise God. Which the Holy Spirit will also minister as well. Amen. So here I said the law of the spirit of life in Christ had made me free from the law of what? Sin and death. Praise the Lord. Let's just read on. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but what? After the spirit. So the, the righteousness of the law will not be fulfilled in us except there is able to be a walk concerning that law, but not a natural in interpretation of the law, but is actually a, a method of receiving the law, which is by the Spirit. Praise God. Do you understand what that means? To, to, to walk after the Spirit is actually walking after the law, a law. But it is that any attempt to walk after the law, the law of Christ and the law of God, any attempt to walk after it, but to walk according to it, the walking, walking according to those laws, the accurate walking according to those laws has to be interpreted. It has to be brought about by a leading. Do you understand the sense that that leading is what 
the Jews did not have. Amen. When I say leading, what I mean is that you can say, ah, oh, but they were led in the wilderness. Yeah, God led their bodies. But he, couldn't, he wasn't leading their soul. So God said, okay, no problem. I will lead your body. And as whatever leading in, of someone's body can, can produce, which is, there is something there which has its limitation. Whatever it can produce, you will get it. When I, I can lead your flesh, no problem. And I will use that as a type for scripture to typify the actual kind of leading which I want to do for men, which is to, be, to lead men's souls. Praise the Lord. So the actual, every the individual Israelite could not be led in their soul by God. Why? Because even though they had some kind of representation of the law, they did not have the, they didn't have the, the spirit of it. So now this is the key about spirit. Without spirit, there can never be leading. The purpose of the, of the spirit, the main reason for the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit is to lead. The main purpose of the spirit is to what? Is to lead. He's a, he's a leader. Or is, it, is to lead or is also to guide according the way Jesus Christ put it in John chapter 16. How be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, said he will guide you into what? Into all truth. Praise the Lord. So it's the same thing, a leader, the, the spirit leading or the spirit guiding. That is the purpose, the main purpose of the Holy Spirit is to lead and to guide. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, the fact that someone is born again does not necessarily mean that you have crossed over from your body, from body being led to your soul being led. It's not just automatic like that. Praise God, because a lot of Christians, when a Christian gets born again, someone gets born again, you, they can't start leading the soul right from that point. Christians get born again into their bodies most of the time, just being led by God. Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> but their bodies, check it. Check what most Christians call leading of the Spirit is leading their bodies. Because most Christians, what they call leading of the Spirit is leading concerning things that relate to their bodies, to the flesh, the carnal mind, the natural life. Right. So if someone is led to get a job, who are, what have they led? Is the, the body they have led. It's their things concerning the body. Because what that job will, will sponsor, what that job will, will, the matters which that job will touch are things that pertain to the, the, the physical, outward, natural estate of the person. Praise God. So, that, so leading of the spirit the leading of the spirit starts really leading of the spirit, amen, doesn't really begin with babyhood in Christianity. Praise God. And I mean New Testament leading doesn't begin in baby. You cannot lead a baby. Try and lead a baby. It's not possible. You just can't. You will try to, don't you try to do it. Well, it doesn't mean you won't have communication with the baby. You will, but you actually the baby leads you when the baby, praise God. Babies lead adults, right? 
they know how to do it. They know how to signal to, to a, their mother when it's time to eat, when it's time to wake up, you know. The baby takes over the clock, takes over your sleep time, takes over everything. The baby is a force. Praise God. Amen. A baby is what? A baby is a wall. If you've had a baby before, you, most of you haven't, but I'm just telling you beforehand that... <laughs> Praise the Lord. Do I have a witness anywhere? I have two witnesses there. And I have another witness at the other end. Amen. Yeah, so that's the way it is. So, so it's very clear that, that most of us lead God when, it comes to, when you get born again. Most new believers lead God. Yeah. That should not be a shock to you. It's not a shock. Have you not been leading God? When you write your prayer point, God, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is what I confess, I this day. Is that not last leading, right? What else is leading? This is, leading means this is my will, this is what we are going to do. And then it, we have to stay on this until it's done. That's leading. So that's the baby Christian, right? So a baby, a baby Christian leads the Holy Spirit. The way a baby leads their parents. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So it's just, just the way. So a baby Christian doesn't understand the language of being led by God. They can't, they can't come. It's too, it's like trying to explain leading to a, a baby. Say, baby, you see this world, this world the way you see, that's not how this world is. Oh. There are things to do here. You have to be careful, you know, there are things to become. You need to talk to the child. Child, yeah, crying, smiling, laughing, has no clue. It's in a different world altogether. From the speech of your understanding can't break through. What it, what it means is that you can't, you can't force your law into the, a baby. The baby is not ready to receive the law of your life. The baby has a law of his own life, which is living by. Praise the Lord. And, and that, baby, that is just simple. The, the law of a baby is very simple. Simple. It just has to do with the gratification of the present need. Don't, no, don't think too far. Don't think to just gratify the present. Praise God. And so, but when leading of the spirit starts, is a sign. Leading of the spirit is a sign of maturity. Like when his soul can begin to be led by the spirit of God, is a sign that maturity has begun. A little bit of maturity means that the the leading of the spirit means that there is, the, the person has begun to come into awareness, and not just awareness, but also a sense of prioritization of someone else's will. Beyond their own. Praise God. Do you see that? That's the time. So it's very clear that leading, you can't talk about leading of the spirit without a contrary will present. There has to be, without the revelation of a contrary will, there's nothing like leading. Because if there is no contrary will, it's just yourself, you are in control, you are doing what you want to do. So do you understand? So without leading, without Contrary will, there cannot be what? Leading. Spiritually, there is no leading of a soul of a person until they begin to encounter a contrary will. Now, the will contrary to man is called truth. Truth is the will that is contrary to the, the will which the natural man has been baptized into. A different will, it's called, which different from what naturally occurs to a man. Yes, 
is a foreign will. That will is what you call the truth. Truth. So, so leading has to do with the leading is is, a, is an is actually a work and it's an endeavor to bind a soul to the, what they call the way of truth. The way of truth, the path of truth. Praise God. He said he will come and guide you into what? Into all truth. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So, and that's why they call the Holy Spirit. So when he, the spirit of truth, is come, why they call him the spirit of truth is because he is the spirit that leads men contrary to their own will. That's his job. He leads men contrary to what? To their own will. That's the leading of the, the spirit. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So the, the, the main equipment which the spirit has for leading is what he call law. It's law. That's what he leads his soul in or he leads his soul by the law. Now the law here, the first law which they speak about here is the law of the spirit of what? Of life in Christ. Verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me what? Free from the law of what? Sin and death. So the law of sin and death is a law that is bound in a soul until leading comes. Right? What the law which a soul lives by until the soul finds leading of the spirit. So it's very clear that only leading can deliver his soul from sin and death. How many of you believe that? Do you believe that? It doesn't sound too religiously accurate. If you say, what is the remedy to sin? You see, you see prayer, fasting, and prayer, fasting, what else? Read, okay, read, read your Bible. All these things that we do that are remedy to sin, but that's not the truth. The remedy to sin is leading. Leading, leading. No, no soul that has not been led by the Spirit can be free from sin. It doesn't matter how pious they might look, how arranged they might look, it's not possible for a soul to gain freedom from sin without being led by what? By the Spirit of God. Amen. For, for that which the law could not do by itself. Because when they brought the law, there's something in man that was stronger than the law that weakened the law. It was weak through the flesh. Right? Because flesh, what is flesh? Flesh, flesh is actually, flesh means covenant. Flesh means agreement. It's a kind of a covenant and, a, and an agreement. And flesh, I'm talking about not your physical flesh now, okay? This is not what, when they say flesh in the New Testament, it's not this one. Flesh is talking about an, a, a devotion to the outward life. It's, a, it's actually a soul. It's a soul state. The soul state that is, when they, when they check in the soul of a person and they see devotion to the outward life, the life that is passing away, they call that flesh. That nature is called flesh. Amen. So, but what you need to understand is that flesh is a product of leading. Flesh. Do you understand that? That the only way you can construct flesh in a soul is by leading that soul. If a soul is never led, a soul can never inherit what you call the nature called flesh. Amen. So 
flesh is not by religious exercise that makes somebody have become flesh. It's by spirit. Spirit come around the soul for when my soul is very young and begin to lead the soul. Do this now. Do this now. React this way. Do this. Talk about what about this one? Remind you. Ah, he said it the other time. Now this is how you arrange yourself and act in this kind of way. Praise God. Everything, any kind of nature you find inside a soul came by leading. Amen. It came by leading. Any kind of thing. If it's lying, there's a way they lead the soul to learn how to lie. You won't be, a, a young child is not skilled with lying. Even though they can try. They don't have skill. Let's say when a child is like Three, four, five. They are not skilled. They tell very silly lies, incoherent lies. <laughs> right? Even when you even look at the lie, you say you'll be laughing. What kind of thing is your brain? <laughs> right? Because why? Because they've lacked, they've not been led. There hasn't been leading yet. But come and meet that child. Let no Jesus, no Holy Spirit, nothing. Let that same child come five years later. And then interact with that child. And, and you will begin to see skill. Mastery. What happened in that time, leading? Who led them? Spirits. What spirit? The spirits are in the world. So it's the, it's the leading. It's very clear that spirits are the leaders of, of men. Spirits are the ones who, what, who lead men. You see in a household, who raises the kids in a household are not the parents. It's spirits. The spirit. A lot of time, the same spirit that raised the father when he was growing up, follow him. Even whether he traveled abroad, that doesn't mean anything. They, they follow him. <laughs> Praise God. They will all come and stay in the home too. And they will be raising. The, they are spirits that are devoted to natures, to, to build natures in people. They are spirits who are devoted to doing that and to make sure. Those guys, they don't, they don't play. They are devoted to it. While the father is sleeping, they are dealing with the child. They are talking to the child. They are telling them, okay, no, no, no. You see, you see where they spoke? Don't, don't accept that. Don't, don't take that kind of thing. You see, after a while, a spirit can train a child to keep malice. Before the child doesn't keep malice, he's offended, but after a little while, it's okay. But after a while... They will tell you, the spirit will tell you, no, 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 don't let it go like that. If you keep letting it go, they'll keep offending. So hold that malice. Make sure you know. Straining. It will be hard to do it. After some time, they will forget that they were angry and, and play. The spirit will remind you, no, he offended you. You have to. Are you seeing, are you seeing leading? Are you seeing leading? Leading. Leading. The spirit can lead a soul and train so how to be angry. Maybe you don't have to be angry if you, when you're very little. But the soul can pour it. Then it will, it will make you taste the sweetness of anger. There's something sweet in being angry. The spirits who do that. Are you seeing all those things can be happening inside a child? The parent don't even know what's going on. The parent just come, goes in night time, pray the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, I'll be thy name. I cannot come. Have you prayed tonight? God bless you. I love you. I see you tomorrow. What happened when the parent goes, spirit come? And then they take over. That short time before, between when the baby, the father leaves and when the child falls asleep, 
some ministration can, can occur <laughs> very quickly. Do you understand what I was trying to say? Praise God. So you, so you see, spirits, spirits have affinity to nature. And you cannot say, look, in my house, I cast out here by every spirit. Anoint the doorpost, the window, everything, and seal it up. And say, no, no spirit will come here. My child will only hear the word of God. It's not. What, what gives way to spirit in a place are natures. If, there is a, if a, the nature which a spirit carries, it has poured it inside you. You cannot tell the spirit, go away, I don't like you, or... You can't tell us, no, my child, no, my, we, no, no, that child is his own. We are, it's our, it came from us. You are me, I'm you. We, gave, we had a child, so we have to, we have to raise the child. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? I'm just showing you how natures are formed in people, right? It's spirit, 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 say spirit, spirit. Now, of course, I'm not talking about spirit possessing people. Are you seeing? It's not that possessing thing. That's not the matter. Do you know that spirits who train, they don't like to, they don't possess. The, real, the spirits who push the agenda of Satan is a waste of time possessing somebody. Because when someone is possessed by a spirit, they don't know what they are doing. If a spirit uh, if a, a demon stays in a person, let's say an unbeliever, because how many of you know a Christian can be possessed by a demon? Yeah. You, you all know that? Yeah. You know that? Yeah. That's someone who's born again. So, so casting out a demon from somebody who's born again is... Uh, even though when you're doing it, the demon can say, I'm here, I will go. It's a lie. It's not there. It's not there. You know demons are lying. You know one of the worst things is when you're trying to cast out a demon or something, or you're listening to the demon, the demon is telling you, no, we are 20 here. And the guy... And the demon will lie. Do you know why? Because the demon knows that you cannot see. You can't see how many they are. Or you, you can't, lack of judgment. Uh-huh. So whenever there's a deficit in judgment... Spirits just play with people and do all kinds of things. And the only way is through scripture. That's how you can tell. That's where you, you defeat spirits. When you enter scripture, you start, you start breaking their powers. You start weakening them when you, when you begin to talk about the scriptures and what is written here. Because they are framed, they are, they are, they are rebels of scripture. They are rebels of pattern. Anyone when you bring scripture, it injures them. It wounds them. It breaks them. It defeats them. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it's not in that, in possessing and all of that. It's spirits. Spirits want to train. They train. They train. Amen. They, they train. They are developers. They want to develop a soul to be a to make the soul become an independent worker, an executioner. They want a soul to, they want to have confidence that they can leave what they've, what they've installed inside the soul, they can leave it there and it will never be tampered with and it won't be touched. That's why they, they train by law and by covenant. 
agreement, right? Yes, every, every wrong nature a person agreed to has make, it made a covenant in the heart with sin. So making covenant with devil or making covenant with darkness is not going to your village shrine and swearing something. I just made a covenant. Most people did that. They've not made any covenant. <laughs> that the covenants they have, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Praise God. Yeah. I pray God, thank God, God has delivered many of us from, some of us don't even know any of those, those kind of practices and all those things. <laughs> In Bible school, I think they call it demonology or whatever. They call, all those things, and some of those things, many of those things are not accurate. Many of those things, you cannot learn about how evil spirits operate, how demons operate, how the kingdom of darkness is, how hell is, or how the devil behaves. You cannot learn those things through stories that demons tell, or you can't. And the funny thing is that when you listen to a lot of so-called deliverance ministers, most of their so-called experiences, what the teacher experiences they've had with spirits and all of that, The only way you can learn about those, those people, people is the scriptures, those, those spirits. The only way you can have accurate knowledge about how they are, and they don't want anyone to think about, because when you now look at how they are, you just begin to see how weak, how weak and how useless they are. They, are not, they have no strength. So once you shed little light, you will surprise how weak. They just begin to fall and break apart. It just begins to disintegrate. All their grips upon his soul just begins to fall away just by shedding of what? Of, of a little light. Amen. So that's why they, 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 they have to hasten quickly to make the soul have agreement. Quickly. Because they, they know that their own strength, they, by their own strength, they cannot stay they cannot maintain a grip on the present by their own person because they've already been destroyed. Jesus Christ destroyed principalities and powers and all of that. The only strength they have is men must agree with what they brought. So, so their nature, the nature of a spirit of darkness in themselves is destroyed. It's completely it's worthless. They have no power. They have nothing. But when they take that nature and can replicate it inside a person, and then they, they make it such that men on earth are carrying their natures and walking around, they know that, ah, there's a problem because there's something about man, about man's soul. There's something about man and God's program. Because man, God is committed to man. Do you see that? Praise the Lord. So how, how spirits, how they perpetuate their present existence is not mainly by coming to possess people. Because if a spirit possesses somebody and lives there for like seven years, it just takes only one day for somebody to, who is born again to say, get out. And, they can't, and that's it, their home is gone. The place they have stayed for how long? Just get out, and that's it. But they know that there's something they can do that someone cannot say get out to. What can you say get out? It's agreement. 
When you bring a, a, a person who has been led for years by spirits, you can't tell the person, I hereby cast out every spirit. First of all, the spirit is not there. What is there is the nature that the spirit has. He has poured into that person. And you can't cast that thing out. You don't, you don't have to subject that soul to leading contrary to what he, what he was led by to make those agreements in the heart. This, and this is the work of salvation. This is the work of the church. This is the task that the church has. Yes, the, the purpose of the church upon the earth is to bring a contrary leading to the way men are being led upon the earth. Praise the Lord. That's why they call the, the church the pillar and the ground of truth. It's the place where, where souls come to encounter the truth and pick their own portion of leading. Praise the Lord. Amen. So what we're saying here is that, so you see this law of verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, right? This law has made me free from the law of sin. So you are seeing one law making somebody free from another law. It's law versus law. Right? If, this, if a soul cannot gain access to this law that makes free, they will still be what? In bondage to the other law or the law of sin and what? And death. Praise God. So let's say the spirit of life. Say the spirit of life. In Christ. So there is what you call the spirit of life in Christ. But there's also the spirit of life in God. That has its own kind of freedom. And there is also there is the law of the spirit of life in God that brings about another kind of freedom. Praise God. Now, but let's look at Christ because he spoke about Christ a little bit here. Verse 3, for what the Lord could not do in that he was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not. So it's those who walk not after the flesh, but what after the spirit. So if someone gets born again, are they free from the law of sin and death? Very obvious, right? And if someone gets, just gets born again right away, is the righteousness of the law fulfilled in them? It's not fulfilled. They are still ignorant of righteousness. Why? Because they have not yet walked. So the only way that somebody can have this righteousness fulfilled in them is if they walk after the Spirit. So the problem is that religion tries to make men walk after the law. But if a man tries to walk after the law, he will fail. Praise God. Because of, there is just, there is a gap. There is a gap between the, it's not, it's not easy to, to fetch, to break into the right essence of the law. How many of you know every law has a spirit? Even in the, in the legal profession, physical legal profession, that's the, that's the main, one of the main difficulty 
in the legal profession is to find the spirit of the law. Because when you go to a court of law, why are they judging a case? I know there's fact finding and all of that, but why is it? Fact, fact has been found, witness, everything is there. But you need legal people, bright minds, who can take that law and then take it and then apply it to this situation. So through the text of the law, they have to find what it's something they call the spirit of the law. That this is the, what the spirit, what was this law trying to achieve when it was written? That's what they call the spirit of the law. I need learned people. They use all kinds of things. They have to look at the law itself, the text itself, and they have to go into precedents. Check the record of how previous cases have been judged. Why do they look at how other cases have been judged to catch the spirit? The law is in front of them. But they have to go and check, okay, how has this law been applied over time? It's because that will tell them about the spirit. Because the accuracy is in the, is in the spirit of, the, of a law. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, it's very clear that there will not be victory or liberty. There can't be liberty unless the the a soul is being led by the spirit that can bring the right interpretation because it is in the right interpretation of the law that's where the life of the law comes from the soul cannot break into the law the life of the law without having dealings with the spirit of war, of the of the law amen so for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, say after. So they are now talking about leading. When you say here the word after, it's talking about leading. Leading. They who, those who are after the flesh, those who are being led by the flesh. The sign of those who are led by the flesh is that they mind the things of the flesh. So it's very clear then that leading has to do with, is to what? To, to, to shape the mind. What, what is being, what is the mind occupied with? To saturate the mind. It's hard to saturate the mind with something without the spirit of, it, of that thing. You need the spirit of something, of something to, to make the mind saturated. And if the mind is not saturated, the person cannot, will not gain mastery of something. When you go to, the, to, to, to school, university for four years, the reason why it's four years is not that if you literally take everything literally in all the curriculum, they can't compress it into one and a half years. They can actually do that, but what they want to do is to saturate the mind. So the, the actual purpose of every learning is to, is to give a spirit. You say, oh, what do you mean, spirit, school? I thought school was just going to learn. Yeah, well, it's a spirit. You have to go and get a spirit. When, you are going to, when the professor is trying to teach you, he's not just trying to make, show you things. He wants to impart a spirit into you. And when that spirit enters you, he will know. How will he know? He, he checks. He can ask you a question and he's watching you. Let, let's see how that answer will come. Somebody who just read letter, and when he talks, this professor knows. 
You just cram some things and you read some things. But somebody who has accessed the spirit of it, when he begins to talk, there's a little bit of handling, skill, of usage. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? There's creativity around the subject matter. Right, that he has tapped into it tapped into a flow. That's one thing I discovered in engineering when I began to when you begin to move from third year and praise God. And I discovered that this place there's something about this this that 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 realm. See from third year, see end of second year, third year, that's when men's power power begin to fill them. That's when that's the point where you begin to know that it's not by power, not by work. <laughs> and first year class is always full of guys of power. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. But by the time you start getting to second year, third year, you begin to see meekness all over. Everybody. Everybody just becomes so meek and so humble and so. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, so, when, so when you're writing the first year exam, or maybe early second year exam, it's very straightforward. Things are just straightforward. You just read, you know, what will come out. But when you start going to third year, fourth year, the, the exams are structured in such a way that if you read, but you don't have revelation. You can never pass. Yes, sir. Am I correct? Yes, sir. That the way to solve that question, you must do what? You must have revelation. Sometimes the example, you have to sit there and wait. You have to wait. Because you, you know that where that thing comes from is not in your brain. There's no way that that thing, what they're asking you, You've checked all the compartment, it's not there, you just have to wait. And that's when that's when if you have been led by the spirit of that of that subject, that's when it will tell. Because from somewhere, insight concerning that thing can just come. Are you getting what I'm, are you seeing what I'm saying? You're like, what am I saying? Well, what I'm telling you is so true. Those who, those, those who know, they know. <laughs> because who wrote that thing? Because it's a spirit. <laughs> Praise God. So that's when. So that's the purpose of when you go to those to, to study is to they want to reproduce what they want to open you up and open a door inside you of fellowship with a particular realm of thoughts. Realm of thoughts. See whether you like it or not, all these things are spiritual. They, well, they are not spiritual in a weird, spooky way. It's not that, that's not when you say say spirit, 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 spirit spiritual, spiritual. Spiritual just means, is, spiritual is the world that the soul is open to. It's, it's where the soul fetches things from. 
Do you get what I'm saying? The, I mean the other side of the soul, not the side that is, that is interfacing with your body. There's another side of the soul. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> so you see, every soul has its, own, has its own spiritual side to it. Right? Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Father. You find that a lot in the professions of the world, professions on the earth, that, um, I mean, skilled professions, profession that involves specific kind of skill, inward skill. You know, there are different kind of professions. There are professions that don't involve too much of skill. It means that there are things that just anybody can just quickly learn and just do. But there are some professions that require skill, inward kind of skill and aptitude. It's, those are the kind of professions where to, be, to, be, to excel in it, you must change. Yeah. And those professions, they have gates that those gates, they, they won't allow you to unless they, they verify your change. They verify that your change, that you can handle the profession. Do you get what I mean? What is the change? The change is that they have to verify that in, within you, you are open to certain kind of thought and revelation. That in this area, in this profession, when you, they put you in that place, that you won't just be stuck because you've not read line by line that problem in a book. That they, they make sure you almost have changed into a certain way that you can look at the thing. Something will just tell you, look at this area. Just look at this area. You know, even in medicine, it's that way. In, in, medicine, in medicine, that's what they really want to achieve. And it takes time because of how complex the body is for it's to a person to get there where they have some kind of intuition about some things. Mm. Let's run this test. Run this test. Run the other test. There could have been 50 tests they could have run, but he can choose three out of them. Something just, there's something about this situation. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so what I'm just trying to prove to you is that what, what we are teaching has to do with the nature of man. That if you don't, if you, if you deny this aspect of human beings, you will not go too far with people. Like people, and this, this, is, a, this is a foolishness. We, you see souls, uh, souls, when they go into the marketplace in the world, and you see, they, there they open the soul up. Because they know what's in the soul. They can use the soul, different faculties. They train different faculties and apply men to things. But when it comes to Christianity, we just dump things down here. The law says this, that, 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 A, B, C, D, do this, blah, 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 blah. And, and for the most part, souls are shut up. Souls are shut up. You know, a, a religious person cannot, will not, is not too useful in this world. 
Do you, do you know that? Just a religious person. To operate in the world, you must be spiritual. If you are not spiritual, you will not do well in the world because the world is spiritual. Those who excel highest in the various professions, they are highly spiritual people. Spirituality here, I'm not talking about Jesus, Holy Ghost. Do you know what I mean? I mean that there's something, something must shift the soul to be able to open the soul to receive. Antenna must open to make the soul more resourceful in its particular kind of way. That people who fail in, sorry, I'm using engineering, that's the one I studied, so I, I, I know the thing, I know the spirit's there. So I, <laughs> praise God. People who don't do well, when they start, first to second, third year, they start failing, are, are those who refuse to become spiritual <laughs> concerning, the, concerning it. <laughs> you just can't cross after a point. There's a way they, they tell you this area is for spiritual people. They are the ones who pass this class. There's something, there's a way your soul must, be, must shift. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so that so so it's very clear that so that, that that aspect of the soul, so that God doesn't want that thing to be developed by the world. God wants to develop it. God wants to develop it. He wants to develop it. That was the, that's the difference between the sons of God in Genesis and the lineage of Cain. The, the other line, those ones, they became spiritual too. Remember, sin was knocking at his door. God told him, my sin has been knocking at your door. What was, sin, what was the knocking of sin at his door? Let's, can I lead you? I want to lead you. Cain, 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 Cain. There are things we need to go and do. You know, come and be led, come and be led, come and be led. That was where profession started from. Earthly profession. The, the plowing of the earth and using the earth, resources and everything, building cities, all of that, those things came out of leading. Leading. He began to be led, him and his kids. Praise and then God's own sons began to be led too in their own way. Carefulness by the presence of God. Trying to lead them in a diff- and develop them. Even though they still built houses. They still had children. But the pattern was different. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So you're seeing my wisdom here. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to show you a reality about the soul. Man is spiritual. There's nothing you can do about it. God made man to be spiritual. Any man who doesn't tap into his, who's not developed well spiritually, will not be too useful. Right? The way, the, the level of how useful a soul is to this world, because the world is spiritual, depends on how well the soul yields itself to the world, to be developed by the world. When the soul would develop the world, in, in, in a, sorry, the world would develop a soul, then the soul would become very useful. So the, the world can develop a soul and create in the soul the potential to be a ruler of a nation. Right? To be the head of a, a particular industry is ability. It's a spiritual kind of development that they can do in the soul. Praise the Lord. 
Are you seeing that? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Uh, but there is a different way that Christians ought to be developed. And the, the real developer of Christians is the Spirit of God. And he uses the laws in the Testament. Praise God. So let's read that here. It says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. So those who are after the flesh are those who are led by the flesh. Or they, they are led by spirits that enforce flesh life. But they that are led after the spirit, they do mind the things of the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. What a beautiful thing for a soul to mind, be able to come to a place where you mind the things of the spirit. To mind means you gain aptitude for the spiritual. For the things of the spirit. You are after the spirit. Kai. What a beautiful thing. This is what God wants to do with souls. The problem we have is that you see, we are trying to bring people who have been raised by another spirit to come and fulfill Christianity. So if you do that, after a while, they will turn Christianity to begin to look like what the world does. And you can't blame them. Because when you brought them, you didn't change them. You didn't change them. You didn't bring another leading. You just brought them the way they are. And say, oh, you guys, hey, you are lead, lead, lead this one. We have a work to do now. Let's go and do this one. Let's go and do that one. Praise God. It's, it's the same sense. It's like bringing a, someone who has excelled in business in the world. The same way that the soul has been shaped to excel in that field. You just bring the same aptitude into the church. Okay, because you got born again now. You are now, you know the way you grow your business, the same thing. Yeah. Come on. So how will you be thinking? All you would, mind will just be light bulbs will be going up. Hmm, this church, we can, we can translate these numbers. Yeah. Hundred. Yeah. Hundred is too small. Yeah. You look at, you weigh the pastor. I know your, your potential. You can handle 500, 700. They can weigh potential. <laughs> Are you going kind to of say? And they see all those things with worldly sense. Do you know that? You know, a, a, a soul that has been raised by the world very well can look at the pastor and know his potential. Yeah. They will tell you, these are how many members? You, you have, you have it in you yeah. to pastor this number of souls. Wow. They, they will read you. If the members might not even discern the pastor, they can discern the pastor. Wow. And such guys... Hey, praise God. You know, pastors like to watch such kind of people, eh? By the time they land, hey, things will just begin to happen. They will just do this after we do this. And all. Are you gonna, but that's not, it's another sense. What, what you will now find, what you will now find later on is that what they've, now, what they've built, ah, this thing looks like the wall, though. To look so like the world. I know because it's of the, the sense by which. Aha. Praise God. Hallelujah. So sometimes, so for such a person, if God wants to help such a person, they have to calm the person down. Yeah. Calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. I know that this is another organism. Church is a different kind of organism. The laws of Outside does not multiply, does not occur here. 
In the world, they multiply numbers. In church, they multiply soul. Now, what do I mean by multiplying soul? I don't mean one soul become three souls. I mean that one soul. The life in the soul. They multiply that one soul. Increase. It's a different kind of mind that can do that kind of thing. A worldly mind can get tired sitting, looking at one person and laboring on one soul for a long time. It's not compatible with worldly mind. After a while, he'll get tired. Why are they not becoming many? But it's a different sense. Say Christ's sense. It's a different kind of sense. Like, it's also God's kind of sense, too. And if everybody left, there's only one man in the world, God will still be doing what he's doing. He will still send his son. His son will still die. He will still bring the law. He will, there will still be church. <laughs> he will find a way. After all, he made one, and it was okay with him. When he said it's not good for him, to when he made two, it was not because of himself, it's because of the man. He said it's not good for a man to be alone. Let me give you a companion for you. It's not because I want you guys to be many. He was okay with, with them, with him. You know, God, inside one man, God can see many. That's the way God is. God was dealing with, God was dealing with multitude inside Adam. Same way when he found Abraham, he was dealing with nations inside of him. God can be talking to one man, and it's like he's talking to a nation. That's the way God is. That's just God for you. He was talking to Abraham. He was receiving tithe from Levi, from all the other people. <laughs> Praise God. It means, what does it mean that Levi paid tithe in Abraham's loin? What does that mean? It means that in Abraham, God could see him and identify him inside Abraham. That's a deeply spiritual thing. I'll tell you how God thinks. Are you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's a different kind of sense. When you tell, when you tell worldly soul, hey, increase, that means a different thing. But when you come to a Christ sense man and say, increase, what will register in him is different from what registered from a worldly soul. Different kind. Say senses. Those are, so those are different spirits working. When the, the spirit of the world walks in a person, what they will frame will be a different sense from what when the spirit of God walks in a soul and leads them. So be careful who, who leads you. Yeah. And don't say, I'm not being led. Please, sir, ma, you are being led every single day. Leading is not by choice. Leading is built into your nature. As long as you are breathing and you are alive, you are being led. The, the way you cannot stop thought from entering. Can you stop thought from entering your mind? And you say, today I'm not going to think. I'm going to, I'm taking break from thinking. I'm just going to put a mind padlock over my head. Why? Because maybe the, the world has gotten too, too difficult. Wars, Ukraine, everything. All oh, this is too much for me. I won't think for like two weeks. Let me rest. You can't. Praise God. When you shut down everything, shut the door, turn off the lights, put the duvet, What, what happened? You just created the right atmosphere for thoughts. Uh, thought you say, ah, now we have time. 
Let's talk. <laughs> and, and as long as you are taking the thought, change is going on. You can't, be ta- you can't take thought and not change. So, so that's why to be carnally minded, it's not, you must be minded somehow. But they will tell you, okay, if you do this one, no, it's dead. So, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life. And so don't, you can't withdraw yourself from minding something. Rather, choose the right thing. Let this mind be in you, which was what? Also in choose. means choose Christ's mind. Praise the Lord. Say leading. Leading. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Wait. Okay. Thank you. For data. Thank you, Jesus. But to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what is life. So this life and peace now is talking about. When you say a spiritual, it's a spiritual, 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 spiritual is a term for Christ. God is not spiritual. God is spirit. And they that worship God don't worship God spiritually. They must worship God in spirit and in truth. For God is seeketh such, the Father seeketh such to worship him. So when you say, when you say ah, spiritual, it means that it's something else that has the attribute of this side. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. It's, so it's actually a man that is spiritual. It's a man that is what? Spiritual. It's a man that is spiritual. So the spiritual nature is the Christ nature. The spiritual nature is a man who is godly. God is not godly. God is God. Do you see? The, are you seeing that? So when they say li, al, wal, spiritual, godly, they're talking about the things from, of God that step down into the realm of man. It's an introduction of God's own kind of property that stepped down into a kind of man that has the godly property. So it's very clear the godly man is Christ. The spiritual man is Christ. Do you see that? You see such language. That's the way it's the Holy Spirit's nature. You see, they say lively. Where did that come from? It's Holy Ghost. They're separating between lively stone and living stone. Check First Peter chapter 2. See, are coming as unto a living stone. We are coming as unto a, he is a living stone. But you as lively stones. It's lively stone that's coming unto the living stone. Lively stone that Christ. We are coming unto a living stone. The living stone is an everlasting stone. Which the, the living stone is a God stone. Are you seeing the difference of these natures? It's the Holy Spirit as using these words. Praise God. So 
to be spiritual, spiritually minded is life and peace. So it's very clear that life and peace is talking about life and peace is the life of Christ. Life and peace means life with peace or life that has made peace or a life that has borne the peaceable fruit of righteousness. A life that has come into peace with God who is a life that has been justified by faith according to Romans chapter 5. Praise the Lord. Now, life and peace now we're talking about peace. Peace is a state in the soul that is really what God wants to, wants to receive. God wants to take men, train men with his own life, bring men into his own life. But first, a man who God will train must not be someone who is fighting him constantly. A man who God will train is a man who is at peace with him. Do you understand that? The purpose of the nature of Christ, the fruit, it's called the peaceable fruit of righteousness. The, the final fruit of righteousness is a fruit that has become peaceable. So that's a man, a man's kind of nature that is at peace with God. There's only one kind of man that's at peace with God. It's called Christ. So when God gave Christ as a nature to the church, he's giving Christ, he's telling men, come out your own, of your own kind of man. Your kind of mind is a corrupted man, right? Because of his kind of mind, there's a kind of mind that, he, that this man has. The mind is called the carnal mind. The purpose, of, the purpose of carnal mind is the spiritual mind. Praise God. And God will say, okay, for a natural man who has a carnal mind, there's, there's not, the, the natural man is just carnal because that is his leading. That is what he knows. That carnality is his experience. He's never experienced anything else that is beyond carnality. So he's a carnal mind. And he says a carnal mind is enmity against God. A carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. Neither what? Let's read it. That's the next verse. Are you seeing that? Sheprano, Shien, Talabahari, Tako, Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is dead, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Are you seeing the word because there? Because. So because the reason why the spiritual mind is needed is because of the problem with the carnal mind. Is that the carnal mind cannot achieve what God wants to achieve with man. Do you see that now? So you're seeing... Here now, they now begin to transition to talk about another law. The first time they are mentioning the law of God. They started with the law of Christ, the law of the spirit of life in Christ, and begin to make the case. What is the purpose of the law of Christ? It's a preparatory law to bring a soul into what? So the real target, the real law that God wants to give to man, and everybody must know this. In this season, your heart must settle on it, it must enter, it must impregnate your, your heart. It must sit deep in you as a, a resolve and a consciousness that in this life, in this life, in this life, my, the law of my life, I will come into the law of God. I will come into a place because that's, that is the point, that's the purpose of a creature. 
any person who lives on this earth and doesn't, I don't think you don't taste walking in alignment with that law. You live beyond potential of, of man. There's potential for humanity. Man wasn't made to ah Kai. When you think with scripture mind, then you hate the devil. You can't you can't think correctly and not hate the devil very, very badly. You hate the devil and you hate everything that he has done. What is it? The devil is an abuser. He's a wicked fellow. He, he, he said, you who Lucifer, who had a fallen from heaven, who Lucifer, son of the morning, had a cut down to the ground, you who did weaken, weaken the nation. What does it mean to weaken men? To weaken men is simple. It's just to take man and Take away what he's supposed to be, what he's meant, what he was created for. And then give him the most useless thing. Let him, let him see that as the point of his life. That is wickedness. That's what Satan has done. When they call him a doer of evil, that's, that's what you call evil. That's real proper evil. And when you come to man and say, man, hey, 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 this life is too low. Why are you living like this? You're, you are made for something greater. He will, he will fight you. He will fight you. He will hate you. Leave me. Why? Because he has made covenant with that, with that estate. So how, 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 what, sort of, what, sort of, what kind of being is that? They say you who weaken. He didn't weaken a few people. A few guys who were weak. They say you weaken the nations. It means that all nations are weak. How do, you check, how do you measure the weakness of a nation? The mundaneness of the things they go after. What they can fight each other for. What they can kill for. And what they can die for. What they can send their sons and daughters to go out to the battlefield to go and die for. When you check it, nonsense. Things of no significance. That our men are so stupid and so silly that the thought of, okay, what after my last breath, what next? It does not occur. How many men think of that? Hardly does a man think about that. Because of an evil. Say mind. A mind, a mind has been given. So say carnal mind. You must hate the carnal mind with everything that you have. You must hate the carnal mind. You must say the carnal mind. The carnal mind doesn't appreciate things of God. So you see why Satan and his spirits spend so much time investing in training, his training souls from when they are kids. Why does he do that? He's, he's building an army. An army. army of what? Army of, army of enemies against God. Army of people who are empowered to fight God. How do they fight God? By their allegiance to their own way of life. Praise the Lord. Are you, are you getting what I'm trying to say to you? So, for, so a soul constantly thinking about mundane things, things that pass away. So in his energy, his life, his time into it, and not thinking of anything else is an abuse of what man was made for. 
So now he's talk, you're seeing here the accurate thing, definition of what man's supposed to come into is what you call the law of God. The law of God is the, the main law that man's supposed to have. So, but he says that for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Why is he an enemy of God? It's simply because it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Now, what they are saying here is not that the carnal, it's not that the carnal mind um, cannot, cannot live out the law of God. Or the carnal mind cannot live God's own life. That's not what they are saying. What they are saying is that the carnal mind cannot be taught the law of God. Or, let me, put it, let me phrase it this way. They didn't say the carnal mind is not subject to God. That's, that's too obvious. That's not what they are trying to say. That the carnal mind is not subject to, the, to, to God. It's obvious. But the, the revelation here is that they are telling you that the problem with the carnal mind is that it's not subject to the law of God, meaning that God cannot teach the carnal mind. Why? Because of enmity. You can't teach in enmity. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? When there's enmity, teaching, enmity is not an environment of learning. That can play out very easily. There's a way you can teach somebody something. You're teaching them. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a mindset they can fall into. The moment they fall into that mindset, nothing can flow anymore. Yeah. That is that, it's in a defense, it's a defense, first of all, defensive. Defensive. A defensive mindset is the mindset of enmity. Enmity means refusal to cooperate. Refusal to relate. Refusal to to flow. You guys said that can happen very easily with breakdown of communication, right? Amen. Like if you are in class and then your 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 teacher, praise God. Huh? Sometimes what can just do a class for you, may end it, is just someone, can be one little thing. Just maybe something about the prof, man. Just create something inside your heart and then you shut down, that's it. <laughs> Unless you can find a way to overcome that thing, you will never learn. You will never learn. Things cannot flow. That thing called enmity is, is that, is, what, is a barrier, what shuts down knowledge, shuts down Amen. The, the flow of thought. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so what is built into the carnal mind is enmity. Do you see that? The carnal mind is beyond just ignorance. Ah, I, someone just likes enjoying, doesn't like God. It's more than that. It's more than that. If you see it that way, you will not take, you won't, um, you will trivialize what the work that needs to be done, or you will trivialize the pattern that is established in Scripture for how God wants to make men to journey. 
to him. Praise God. You, you now realize that, ah, okay, why would God bring a life of Christ before his own life? There's something there. If you say, okay, forget, let's just say God is just God. Let's let it, you will never know anything. You will talk about God, 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 God for, for decades. And the soul will still be the same. Because of enmity. There's something inside the man. There's something inside him. He's, he's not subject to the law of God. Neither can he be. There's some, it's, a, it's a sickness. Carnality is a sickness of the soul. It's like a huge barrier. So, so who is a man? Who is a carnal man? A carnal man is a man who God cannot teach. Yeah, he's a man who what? A carnal soul is a soul who God cannot teach. God cannot teach a carnal soul. Because he is not subject, the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. To be subject to the law means to be teachable by the law. To be teachable by the law is to be subject. Neither can it what, neither can it be. Praise God. So then they that are in the flesh cannot what? Please God. So because they can't be teachable, there is not possible for them to please God. Is that very clear to you? Praise the Lord. So, so for so any, any kind of man who God can teach his life must be a soul that is at peace with him. So you cannot bring the definition of peace. That definition of peace is a soul whose enmity with God has been healed. So a soul who has made peace with God is not a soul who has lent God life. It's just a soul whose enmity with God has been healed. It's a soul who can now be subject to the law of God. So, when a soul begins to bear the, the, the peaceable fruit of righteousness, it's a signal, it's a time when interaction with God's own thought and his own life can occur. Praise God. The reason for the reason for chastisement is the breaking of enmity. Now, do you, do you know that the fatherhood the, say father, fatherhood doesn't begin when you be with God. God can never be your first father. I mean spiritually. God cannot be your first father. The Lord Jesus has to be your father first. And he has to come to you as a father when you are still in the life of Christ. For the dealing of a father is a particular kind of conversation that, that breaks enmity within the soul to bring the soul to a place of peace. Praise God. Let's read. Father, we thank you.
Hebrews. Amen. Are you still following? Yes, you, no, you've not slept yet. Yes, Are you sure? Yes, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. Father, we bless your name. Praise God. In verse, verse 4. Hebrews 12, verse 4, it says that you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. That my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked, what? Of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every word, son, whom Okay, now, now I want you to see something here. There are, in these verses we're going to read, there are two phases of fatherhood and two phases of sonship. They are, they are, they are just mixed in here. You need light, praise God, to, 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 to see. There is, in here, there's the fatherhood of the Lord and there's the fatherhood of God. Two kinds of dealings. There's the fatherhood of the Lord, and then there is the fatherhood of what? Of God. And then you see two dealings. One level of sonship, when one finishes with one level of sonship, one will graduate into another level. Now, it says that, and you have forsaken the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. That's one level. So this son is a law, is a son under the Lord. Who is the Lord? The Lord is who will make the soul come out from among them and be separate. And is the one who will teach them to touch not the unclean thing so that the Father can receive them. Do you see that? So there is, the, the Lord loveth, um, sorry, and despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint not when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and then he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Then verse 7, if you endure chastening, so if you have graduated the chastening of the Lord, and you endured it, then God dealeth with you as with sons. So there's a dealing which a son, God has, with his son. But that dealing doesn't come until his son has first endured the chastening of the Lord. It's sonship to another sonship. There's a sonship in Christ and there's a sonship in the, in the world of God. There's each sonship is after, after each, each kind of life. Praise God. Say, but if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be subject unto the Father of spirits and leave? Shall we not much rather be subject to who? 
the father of what? Of spirits and what? And leave. For very, the verily for a few days chasing us, that's the fathers of our flesh, after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are what exercised. So you see this chastening of the Lord will then produce what you call the word peaceable fruit of righteousness. So and the peaceable fruit of righteousness is the fruit of peace. The peaceable fruit of righteousness is a soul coming to a point where enmity in them has been what? Has been broken or has been healed. So the chastening of the Lord is what defeats enmity. So it's very clear then that a soul that's bearing the, the peaceable fruit of righteousness is a spiritually minded soul. Because to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. Amen. Peace with God, right? Say peace with God. So what is peace with God? Brian, can you describe peace with God? Quickly. What is the purpose of acquiring, having peace with God? Uh, the purpose um, of acquiring peace is so that God can begin to introduce his own laws, yes. everlasting laws to the soul. Yes. Um, as you were teaching, you said Christ is the only kind of man who is, yes. at, who is at peace with God. Yes. Um, Christ, the ceiling of Christ is like a foundation where mm -hmm. God can begin to build, mm. uh, build a man that will eventually be sealed with his everlasting yes. laws, yes. essentially. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So the purpose of that fruit, the peaceable fruit, is the fruit that God needs to see that will tell him that this man, I cannot begin to teach this man my own, my own laws. Amen. Thank you. Okay, let's see Romans chapter 8. Verse 8, chapter 8, yeah, verse 8. So, so, then, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, of course. Now verse 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but where? But in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of what? God. So it's very clear that those who they, they say are in the spirit. You are not in the flesh. But rather you are in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now it says now if any man have not the spirit of Christ... He is not of his. You're seeing two spirits in verse 9. The two spirits here. So, but you are not of the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, right? So you are in the spirit. 
if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. So what they are calling being in the Spirit is being where in the world of God. The soul has come in the Spirit. This is just is beyond this just a spiritual soul. The soul that is a soul that has been fully immersed in the spirit. Sisters, this soul is now in the spirit. So a soul that is in the spirit. Because the soul is in the spirit, now they can worship God in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. So he's been he's seeking for souls to arrive to that place called in spirit. In spirit. Praise God. So that worship there is the same means the word service we've been talking about. So the servants of God in Revelation chapter 7 are people who have made this journey we've been talking about and they've arrived to the place in the spirit and they went to the school of the spirit, this particular school of the spirit. Amen. So it says here that you've left the flesh. You are now in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if anyone have not the spirit of Christ, it's none of you. So, so first of all, to have the spirit of Christ, God's ownership of it. So when you talk of ownership now, we're not talking of, of God's ownership in terms of a soul reigning with his life. We're talking of God's, when you say of his, means that this one, I can now take this one and do what I want with it. And of course, the first time a soul becomes God's own, really. God's own, right? Is when God has, has fully received that soul. Out of the hand of his enemy. Right? So when that soul is now his, the first thing God will do is to train the soul. Because God can only train his own thing. God's own property. Now, God cannot own any kind of man. The, the, the lowest thing that God will own is Christ. You say, oh, but God owns me. God is my father. Because I'm born again. I think I've explained that before. Right, that God has his own. The foundation of God standard sure. Foundation means where God starts. Foundation of God, the lowest of God. That's, that's the foundation. When you say God, lowest, this is the foundation. Anything below that, you can't find God there. Do you understand the meaning of that? Anything below that, that thing, you can't find God there. That's the foundation. Right? Behold, the foundation of God, standard, sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from what? Iniquity. So, them that nameth the name of Christ are them that are his. Or those who have the foundation of God are them that are his. So, it means a soul that has has risen into the lowest place God can come to. That's where God picks people from. 
So see that place of picking people from that place? That's what he calls, he scourged every son whom he received. To be receiving, the point of receiving is receiving into the hand of God. A soul that has gotten born again many, many years ago, later in some point in the future, will now become God's own. He is the Bible for you. This is, this is the reason for the scripture. The reason for the scripture is to transform man into God's standard. You might like it, you might not like it, he has standard. You know, there will be, when I'm talking, when we are teaching this kind of message, there will be something in the back of your mind that will be saying, ah, why is, it, why is this thing so far like that? Is this so, you know, is it, it seems as if, you know, we don't like process, eh? Even in the natural thing, we don't like process. They must force us to go through process. Many of us, if it was up to you, <laughs> if it was up to you, all the process you've gone through in your life, you would have not gone through them. You would have just clearly just, no, no, can we do without this thing? Thank you. I like the idea, but no, let's, can we just easily praise God? We don't like, it's just a, a kind of nature. Praise God. And the reason why men don't like process is because Satan knows that that thing called process is a great, God is a process God. Process. Hey, when he saw Adam, he saw an instrument that should go through process. Satan calculated, why did they put this tree? He knows what that tree is, tree of life. Then he saw this man below him. He will look at the tree, look at Adam, then look at God. And when he sees the design of the tree, he knows what that thing means. When you see a tree, a tree is a sign of process. It's a process. That, particularly that tree of life. Process, tree of life. When you read, you see, they describe the tree in chapter 22 of Revelation. After the pure river of water of life came forth, you saw the tree growing. That's what the tree, you can't eat the whole tree in one day. It brings forth its fruit in season. One fruit every month. Process. <laughs> So that, you know, see why Adam did not really like that tree too much. He saw the other one that doesn't, this one doesn't, this is a sharp something, man. A seed. Now, what was wrong with Cain? Why did Cain depart from God's presence? Why couldn't he wait? You saw, you saw the difference between the lineage of Cain and the lineage of Seth, Enos, his process. Cain just went, he wanted to be free. Married wives, how many wives, having children. But you see, after decades, Adam will have his one child. Seth, wait for decades. Why? Because there was process. You need time, time with the presence. It's not just about having children and producing and filling your seed everywhere. There's something that we need to, <laughs> praise God. It's, it's a process. God is, see, God is process. If you, if you learn this thing about God, eh? those who get deep with God and will go far with God, when you understand this nature, is God. God is not a result God. 
is not a result God, he's a process God. You know why? Because result is evil. Result orientation. And we preach that thing, it's a lie. See, that, that message is from the pit of hell. Any pastor that comes and says, result, result, it's a lie. God doesn't talk that way. God doesn't sound like that. God is not looking for any result from you. What, is your, what result can you produce? Spend your whole lifetime with your own wisdom producing results. They mean nothing to God. What result can a man produce on the earth that is tangible to God? God, is not, God doesn't think that way. He doesn't think about result. No, 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 no. It's process. It's what, does, what does he want to make over time? So that's why it doesn't make any sense for you to cut any corner and then quickly do it and then say, God, I've done it. God says, you've not done anything. You walk out of iniquity. You've been walking. Result, right? In your name, I did many mighty works. That's result. He was bringing his report card to God. And God said, you were, I don't care about the result. I care about what, was the, what work was the process working out. It was working out iniquity. The reason God's, God's lack of interest in result is why the world has not ended. Prophecy will fulfill itself. End time will come. It will reset again. And prophecy will give circles. Why? God is not, he does not move like, by that. Let, it, let men take another million years. It's okay. It's okay. God's result is the process. The process is the pattern. That's why Israel was in wilderness for 40 years. A very short journey. They were just going around. God was not, it wasn't God's problem. You, you, think, you think God might have been sad. Why are they taking so much time to go through the wilderness? Ah, all these people. No. It, it did not occur to God that they've been there for that long until the time when they fulfill the purpose. They go, God said, ah, you've been around this place for too long ago. <laughs> it's time to, can we move now? Where was he when they were, they, was he sleeping when they were there for too long? Praise God, are you getting a sense? And so change that, don't let that, if you have that thing inside of you, throw it away. It's dirty. It's stinking. It will make you not clean. It will make you not pure. It will make you unable to serve God well. It will make you unable to go through, through you know, the, the change, the refinement, because you will be hast- you will hasting out of what God wants to do. Because why? Because you are measuring yourself. Because check out this world. This world is designed by results. At this age, these are the results that we must check in your life. And you see those results in your life, they are called KPIs. Yeah. <laughs> those KPIs, those key performance indicators, they are, it's not, just, it's not just your own, it's not your own headache. You see your, your, your father is watching it, your mother is watching it, your extended family, your aunties, your uncle, they will call you, hey, how are things going now? What, what are they checking? KPI, are they, have you... Have you, there's a result that your life should be producing at this particular phase. Have you produced it? <laughs> Have you ever gotten a call before from your relative where they ask you, 
uh, have you entered sanctuary yet? One of your, maybe your, one of your aunties or uncles in the village. Like we just came to check. Are you, are just, are you, which area are you in? Are you in faith, hope, or charity? Have you got into that charity dimension yet? Or? <laughs> or maybe you're at work. Your boss will just call you. Say, quickly meeting. Faith. Let's just do um, annual performance. Um, so. Well, we thank God for the company. We've done very well in this company uh, this year. We tried, with, uh, but you see, that's not what really matters to us. What matters to us is, uh, as you've been working, um, how have you been using your soul? <laughs> as a manager, I've asked you that before. <laughs> we don't care. The world wants to okay. use you. And make you feel that your whole life is about achieving specific results. Yes, and you see, a soul cannot, cannot calm down and walk and journey with God because of expectations of the world. And these are the things you must achieve by this time and by this season. You must have come here, you must have gotten this. And we brought that into Christianity too. But it's not that way. In Christianity, there is something they look at. What they look at is, what they look at is, is a result, but the result is in the soul. Right? The soul, the nature of the soul becomes is the result. But the thing is that the soul pursuing physical, natural result doesn't produce that result in the soul. Rather, it's, a diff- it's subjecting the soul to what they call, this thing they call chastisement. Say, endure chastisement as a good servant of Jesus Christ, whom the Lord loves, who he chastises. And it's called this. They now say you should count it all joy. That's James' own angle. That one is another thing altogether. That one is just, that one is just spiritual madness. It's one thing for you to endure. And they are chastening. You know, know what I mean? I like that scripture. It makes sense. You know what I mean? When you read it, and your chastening as a good servant of Jesus. You know now. You know we are suffering. You know that this is not too palatable. But the other one, James just came with his own kind of attitude. What kind? Is everybody like you? <laughs> you love James. Hi, Jesus Christ. You should love James. So James, James will help your soul. Meditate on, on that, that awesome, wonderful, beautiful man. His own, his own epistle sense. With different, a, James has a, a foreign mind. He, James' mind insults the world. It's an, insult, it's an insult and an assault against everything the world has, has, has done. Against the programming of, 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 the, of the cause of this world. It makes it nonsense. Count it all joy when you pass through diver, not lead to divers. You know, there are different divers <laughs> temptation. <laughs> not even the straight kind. Divers. What is the meaning of divers temptation? <laughs> Count it.
love James. He's the one that's saying that he that looketh into the perfect law of liberty. So don't be anyhow. Just come look and go. That's where we are most of the time. What you saw yesterday, you even forgot what you saw. And because of that, when you come again, whoever, the preacher has to start from the bottom. Praise God. Because inside the spirit, those people have forgotten everything that has been said. So he has to build it up again. Because I did. Amen. He says, don't be going, don't be like a person who looks himself in the mirror and then just turns away and forget what manner of person he was. That's not the attitude. That is a is worldly attitude that's like that. Quick gratification, quickly result, get it, go there, acquire it, do this, do that. You can't process of staying. The world is designed that you should never have time to stay and look and keep looking. By the time you look a little, the world will call you, hey! That's enough looking for today. We have things, some other things. There are other things to look at, man. And then when you look at you, forget. Say, what manner? You know, that the whole manner of man is, is that you, you, don't, you can't even see your, your, own, your state. See, that, that, that mirror that you should be looking at is, a, is almost like a comparison. Because how do you know when you've arrived? You must, something must show you what you are. No man can know what he is except this book. You are not the name your, your father called you. Your, your, I'm sorry to say, your physical dad, unless he has come into God's sense, cannot really discern you properly. Neither can your own mind or your, or your spouse or anything. You want to really check. Look, you have to look. This, is, this thing is a wonderful book. It's also it's a mirror to you, for yourself. And it's also an, an image of what you need to become. So you must be able to... It's an, it takes an attitude of heart that keeps looking. That can continue looking and looking and looking. For he who looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. It's not a forgetful hearer, but it's a doer of the work. The same shall be blessed in what he does. Now it's very clear that that perfect law of liberty is the law of God. Right? No, it's not the law of the spirit of life in Christ. So there is the law of the spirit of life in Christ that makes you free from the law of sin and death. That's one kind of, the first instrument of, of freedom and liberty. But then there is the perfect law of liberty. There is the law of liberty that sets you free from the law of sin and death. And there's the perfect law of liberty which is the law of God. Amen. That, the perfect law of liberty, that's James chapter what? James chapter. Amen. Chapter 1 verse... 
praise God. <clears throat> verse 20, let's read from verse 20. It says, <clears throat> you can see that all they are talking about the law of God here. You can, you can even read from the beginning. But let's just read from verse 20. It says, for the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Praise God. If you were to smell a verse or chapter now that's talking about Christ's life versus one that's talking about God's life, based on the sense you're coming into. That's, you come in, because they are bringing us, this is education. It's actually some kind of literacy they are giving to us in the spirit to make you scripture literate. It's not, no, a lot of Christians are illiterate when it comes to the scripture. But to become literate, praise God, means you can read you can read properly, and you can properly read the intention of the scripture, they have to do a lot of work on the inside. And then they have to give light from different dimensions must come and be shed upon the heart. That will now bring a soul to the accurate dividing of scripture. Praise God. So in the scripture, when you're reading, you'll be seeing different, these lives are just playing out. In some scripture, they bring two of them, the two lives together, and they talk about them interchangeably. Some scripture are just pure curriculum, pure devotion to a particular life. It talks about that particular life in different ways. Praise the Lord. So James is speaking concerning the life of God or the righteousness of God. He says, the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and then receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So, in verse 20, 21, he's talking about soul who needs to take that journey from the oracle of Christ into the oracle of God, or from the school of Christ into the school of God. What he's telling them is that, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. That's all he's trying to say here, right? That except you, he's talking about oracle. How can you come into the oracle of God? Because the oracle of God is what you call the engrafted word. Do you, do you see that? The engrafted word is not the word of Christ. This, this engraftment is talking about, it is, there has to be an engrafting. What does it mean of engra- to engraft something? It, engrafting is when you want to introduce one life to another life. It's an agricultural statement. It's not just pure, just seed. That is, it's not it's not, a, a, it's not a, a growing up that is subject simply to the pure natural law from the ground up. When God has to sow a kind of man called Christ, new creation, and that new creation will grow up to a point where he can be a peaceable food of righteousness, then the Father will take that man and he has to now engraft another life. The life of God must be engrafted. Do you, do you understand that? The life of God is an engrafted life. The oracle of God is an engrafted oracle. That's why it sounds a bit different. It's somehow, it's not, there's a way that learning Christ sounds. But when you begin to hear the word of God, you know this is an engrafted word. This is not the word of a, of a man. This is the word of God. So Christ 
is the kind of man who, in who, to whose God's word can be engrafted into. That, li- that life to whose God's word can be, must be engrafted must be a life that has come, become, come into peace with God. And the sign of peace is that he no longer touches the unclean thing. Right? Or the way he put it here is that he has laid apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. So filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness is the unclean thing which the soul, praise God, holds. And then receive with meekness the engrafted word which is, which is able to save your soul. Verse 22 but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man, he's not talking about the attitude, the attitude towards the engrafted word. That you must not be doers only, deceiving your own selves. You must not be hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein and being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, of the work, that this man shall be what? Shall be blessed in his deed. Not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, that this man shall be what? Blessed. What is the meaning of this man? This man, praise God, is, shall be blessed. He's talking about how God will bless a man. How God brings his own blessing to a man. Praise God. God will bless a man if a man has, is able to look into the word perfect law of liberty and continuing it is not a forgetful hearer but a what? Doer in of the work. Praise God. Now, we were talking about um, amen. Time has gone. So let's just quickly go back to Romans 8. This is the introduction of the message of We're having a problem, eh? (laughs) Thank you. God is good. But you are not in the flesh, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is what? He's none of his. Verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of what? Of righteousness. The body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Body is dead because of sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. If Christ be in you, he's talking about soul judgment. He's talking about the, the judgment of the inward man. Right? The inward man who has become Christ sees the body as dead and the spirit as life. 
A carnal man sees the body as life and the spirit as dead. What does that mean? That means to him the spirit is dead. He doesn't, he's not interested in the, the, what the spirit has to offer. Rather, when you say life, life means, means the death means separation. Life means flow, connection. He flows more with the body. But the sign of a spiritual man is that he, he flows more with his spirit. He's more interested in what the spirit is, is concerned about than the things of the body. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that, ra- that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that what dwelleth in you. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, if he dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your what? Your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. This quickening of your mortal bodies is talking about, is a different dimension. It's talking about the prosperity of life in the soul. A point where the prosperity of life, you know, at some point, first of all, in the realm of Christ, that's verse 10, look at Christ and Levin. They're talking about two indwellings. Verse 10 is talking about the indwelling of Christ. Verse 11 is the indwelling of God. The first one is the indwelling of Christ. The second one is, or the indwelling of Christ, right? The second one is the indwelling of he that raised Christ from the dead. And different kind of judgments. Do you see them? How many of you are seeing, seeing what I'm saying? Two indwellings, though. This is the Bible. This, this thing is what the Bible is talking about. So in an inward man, that's the soul that has Christ indwelling. He has his own his way of judging. He's judging the body as dead and the spirit as life. It's a way of judgment. The body is dead. Spirit is life. Body dead. Spirit life. Body dead. Spirit life. You're talking about what is tuned to. That state of his soul being to consider his spirit life. Because of righteousness. It's because he can discern the righteousness in his spirit. That's the state of of a Christ soul. That's what the indwelling of Christ, the spirit of Christ within his soul is supposed to do. Then the next one is talking about the spirit of him that raised up Christ. There's someone who raised up Christ. The first said the spirit of him that raised up Jesus. Because when they raised him up, they raised more than Christ. But then they, they zoomed in more to be specific. That him that raised up Christ to show you that this is the man higher than Christ. Or God. So he's talking about the spirit of God himself. Christ did not, was raised up by the glory of the Father. According to Romans chapter 6. Yes. 
He was raised from the dead, right? Do you think, how many of you believe Jesus Christ raised himself from the dead? Some people think that. He didn't raise himself. Even though you say, ah, he said I I can lay down this, he was talking about his temple, his body. Right? He was talking about the destruction of his body, which, which he laid down when he died on the cross. And then he came again and took on his body. That's a different thing. So we're talking about this temple we destroyed. I will take, I will, he said, I have, the, I have the power to lay down my life. And I have the power to take it up. That's not talking about his spiritual. He's talking about his, his, the life in his body. Because that's what the task they gave him. Go and lay down your body. He did that. He said, I can do that and I can take it back again. But talking about after he became sin, he was made sin. You who knew no sin became, he was made sin. That woman become the righteousness of God. That thing altogether, that thing is a different thing of converting sin to righteousness. A kind of resurrection. That is a, is a different operation altogether. It was God himself who did that thing. So the spirit that raised up, him, him up from the dead is the spirit of God. He said, if that spirit be in you, you see that it's a different thing now. The spirit of Christ in the man, the spiritual man, is the man who considers the spirit life and the body dead. But the spirit of God inside the man is a different thing. He has something to say about that dead body. Is that he can even he can quicken what the mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Say quickening, quickening of mortal bodies. It's an operation of the Spirit of God. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Amen. Let's not dwell too much there because of time. So verse 12, that therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are what? The sons of God. As many as are led by what? The spirit of God. They are what? The sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, for you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, what? Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are, what? Children. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and then joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified. Together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall what, be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature that what awaited for the manifestation of the sons of God. The earnest expectation of the creature. The earnest expectation of the creature. In the creature, the entire creation knows that human beings have not fulfilled their purpose until they begin to see sons of God arise. Mm-hmm. 
Praise God. But how will souls arrive at that place? They have to be led by the Spirit of God. As many as are led by what? By the Spirit of God. They are what? They are the sons of God. Say led. Led by the Spirit. So leading by the Spirit is or the Spirit of God is what? The leading in how does the Spirit of God lead is by the interpretation of the law of God to a soul that has been led by the law of the spirit of life in Christ to a point where it's no longer an enemy of God. Then such a soul will be picked up by the spirit of God and begin to be led by who? By the spirit. By the spirit of God. Now, the Spirit of God. Say the Spirit of God. 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 What is the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God is is the Spirit. The Spirit. That thing called the Spirit of God are seven. Split into seven. The Spirit of God are seven spirits. They are called the seven spirits of God. And those spirits, say spirit, spirit, spirit of God, are the eyes of the Lamb. So the reason why the lamb is the leader of servants of God is because of his his affinity with the spirit, the spirit of God. Amen. This is the message, but we cannot talk about the message, although what we did today was like a build-up to fully understand. Okay, let's just read the scripture. Let's read Revelation. Revelation chapter, chapter 5. Verse 6. Father, we thank you. From verse, let's just read from verse 1 quickly. It says, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. Now, can you tell me what is, what is actually contained in the book? The book that is at the right hand of him that sat. 
Can you tell me what is in that, what is in that book? It's what? What do you call it? Life of God, or what? Or the laws of God. Right? It's the, the book on the right hand of him that sits on the throne. He's talking about the curriculum of the law of God for man. Do you see that? A book reading within and on the backside, sealed with the seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to lose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look up thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. What does this thing mean? No man was found worthy to open the book and to... Now, I want to, I want to say something to you. It's not heresy, okay? It is just scripture. It's knowledge, understanding, that they want to show you something. When they say no man, they, they, they check on the earth, they check heaven, they check everywhere. It's not just talking about physical man. What it means that no kind of man, including the spiritual man, talking about they are trying to introduce another nature a different kind of a, an entity to you so they're talking about another operation which is beyond the, just the nature of Christ Christ is a man is the best man but there's something we say no man could could access. It's not, it's not for, man cannot handle that thing at the right hand of him that sits upon the throne. So they just check, no man, no man, no man. As long as he's just in, a, he's in his own estate as a man, you cannot take that thing. You cannot open that book. Praise God. So no man in heaven or in earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy. That's just the word. It's worthiness. There was no worthiness to open the and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to lose the seals thereof. And I looked. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And then when he had taken the book, and the four beasts and the four and twenty others fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue, and people, 
and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall what? Reign on the earth. Praise God. Amen. Now, so this lamb we seated in the midst of the throne. Remember who this lamb is? This is the lamb who in chapter 7 they showed the servants of God. But they did not show the multitude. Those who are still in multitude dimension. Yes. Amen. Amen. That multitude arena. They are still multitude. They haven't been numbered yet. They haven't been picked up by God. God hasn't, can't deal with them. But there's somebody who can deal with them. Somebody who can deal with them. Who is that person? Let's read it, chapter 7, very quickly. Praise God. Verse 13. It says, and one of the elders answered, chapter 7, verse 13. One of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in where? The blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that seated on the throne shall then dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and then shall what? Lead them into what? Living fountains of waters. And then as a consequence, God shall wipe what? Every word, every tears. Away all tears from their eyes. Praise God. So the lamb, the secret, this is what I want to share tonight. I want to, I want to just share the the secret of the secret of leading by the Spirit of God. The secret of leading by the Spirit of God is that is the is that the Spirit of God high to find to find to come into break into the leading by that of that spirit. Praise God. To break into what? The leading of that, of that spirit. Is you, you must be able to, to, you must have gained the capacity to see the image, an image. An image which that spirit has walked upon. It's not easy to catch the, the, the sight of the, of the Spirit of God. It's not like the way I heard God, I heard the Spirit of God, I heard Holy Ghost. It's not hearing Holy Ghost. It's a different thing. That thing called, the, what you call the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, that's the, that's the most invisible task of leading. Someone who's, who, can, who has found that way of leading, when men come around that area, you might not see anything as leading in that place. It's too invisible. Do you get what I'm saying? But the key is there is an image that the, that the Christ 
soul is made to see the image of the lamb. The image of the lamb. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's in the, it's, it's by the feet of the lamb that a man. Can you get, are you getting me? It's by the feet of the lamb. That's how a man can pick up the leading of the path of God. So, the sign that a soul is beginning to graduate in Christ's nature is when the soul begins to see the image of the Lamb. You begin to see the image of the Lamb and then you begin to discern the steps of the Lamb. You know why? Because the steps of the Lamb, are you seeing those steps of the Lamb? They are steps that are directed by the spirits of God. Because the seven, he has seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. So you see, they that follow the lamb, whithersoever he goeth, you need to know what they are following. Anybody who is following the lamb is following the spirits of God. Now, the reason why it's so difficult to be led by the spirit of God, should I tell you why? It's because of his, his high. Of meekness. Height of meekness. The, the, the most difficult thing for a toad soul to see is a meek thing. The hardest image for the soul to see is a meek image. It's very difficult to see a meek image. That's why it's the difficulty in hearing the oracles of God is because of its, its nature. The meekness of it. That's why they will say if you should receive with meekness the engrafted word. If you can't, it's not, when they say receive with meekness, you can't tell his soul, he can also receive with meekness. Something must happen to his soul to produce that first estate of meekness that can make his soul receive the word, the word, the engrafted word of God. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? So that meekness is talking about lamb. The lamb's inward attitude. The lamb configuration. The lamb's nature. Are you seeing how the lamb behaves? So that's, that's the nature of the spirit. The spirit of God. The image of the lamb. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. So, but there's something, before you begin to see the lamb, there's, there's something that flows into the, holy, into the sanctuary. It flows, flows from within. It actually flows outside. It will, in the, it will the sanctuary. It's called the blood of the lamb. Souls who are who will be led by the lamb must first wash their robes and make them white inside the blood. The blood of the lamb. That's part of the, the dealing of, of Christ's nature. A charity soul is a soul that has been made white in the blood of the lamb. Yes. It's the purity, the purity of Christ 
the purity of the, of the spiritual soul. That love, purity. When you, that which you call the end of the commandment is charity out of a word, pure heart, and of faith unfeigned. Amen. Praise God. The Lord will help us. The Lord will give us grace. It's time to be led. It's time to be led. Thank you, Jesus. Do you feel you are blessed today? They want to graduate us further in leading. Lead to lead, lead our soul. Hmm? It's not easy to lead, our, to lead souls. It's very difficult. Because when they are leading souls, it's like a lot of things are, like things are not happening. In the natural, sometimes they intentionally put you at a standstill. Like things are not moving. Why they want to kill that there's a, there's a little um, instinct that the soul has to be outwardly busy, but inwardly bankrupt. Heaven has to heal that thing. That a, lot of, a lot of times, the soul who they are leading can seem stationary on the outside, but something is going on. on the, something deep and powerful is going on on the inside of the soul. Yes. 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 Sometimes the soul who they are increasing can, be, can seem like it's diminishing on the outside according to the outward standard, natural standard. But on the inside, they are doing things on the inside to cause the, the soul to blossom. Purifying the soul and purifying the heart. They need to tune us to begin to, to envision the things, that, are, that the work that has been done within. Are you seeing this thing about seeing the lamb? It's not, ah, lamb appeared. No, 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 no. To be, to be able to see his step in what journey? Purity. Purity. After you have, you have put aside all filthiness, you've, after you've dealt with filthiness, then you now say that there are things called superfluity of naughtiness. That's a very complex language to talk that, that is explaining devotion to vanity. Naughtiness means nothing, but nothing that's superfluous. Superfluity of nothingness. It's busyness. Many things are going on, but nothing is happening. You need to heal the soul from such a thing. A soul who is too busy like that can never, you can never detect me, can never come into meekness and begin to find the side to see the lamb. The lamb is not that easy to see, but a soul that has been helped by God to bear the peaceable food of righteousness, after a while, you begin to, to sight his blood to make your, your robes white. Amen. And after a while, there will be an opening, praise the Lord, into the realm of God, for God to lead the soul. Amen. Let's just begin to thank God because of time. Time is gone. Restieto atale karia hata pando lo pronuze pra hata pa hata pa ukreta pa igelota tamasa sa 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 para pa ute kahara bushe pretoria 
Rikama Lusandali Prata Luria Harawasute Prentali Brandili Kabaruta Kai Kaluhuta Empapa Papa Hota Papa Takatati Likriso Sundeliri Alawaso Enfrazi Karika Musanta Librahata Labrahata Brahari Uski Rikandali Zaskuri Haravantali Vasco Sosendala Paria Kapati Emprahata Sia. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we bless your name tonight and we worship you. Lord, we ask you to bring the import of this knowledge to our soul and, and enrich us. Thank you. You've blessed us so much tonight. You've blessed us so much. Thank you, Father, for so much blessing. You begin to activate leading within our heart. Leading, you will lead us on the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you, our Father. We bless your holy name. We give you all the praise. Thank you, 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 Jesus. 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 Thank you. Lord, open us up fully. I pray let this understanding rest. Let it rest. Let it rest. The weight, the weight of the of the scriptures, the weight of the scriptures. Because these things are true, Lord. They are true. These things are true. They are unfaithful. These things shall come to pass as they are written. Cause, cause the weight of the, the word, the pure word itself, Lord, to be released on our inside. Thank you, Father. The accompanying grace, Lord, and ability to walk them out. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. you dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth.